I will grant peace in the land, and you will lie down, and no one will make you afraid. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There is more to this world than what you see with your eyes. Even as a child, I sensed it. The earth seemed to hum with it. The skies proclaimed it. There is more. That quest has been calling me my, my entire life. Caspar, come, learn, find. I was the boy who wanted to know what the wolf was thinking, what made the sound of thunder, how we could read the stars. I was a born scholar, hungry, eager to learn. And so when as a young man I was invited to study with a true mage, it was as if someone had grabbed me by the hand and pulled me to my destiny asking questions, seeking answers, understanding what no one has understood before. You could do this with your whole life. It's all I ever wanted. In my kingdom, we are, we are known as wise men, magi. It's a title I take seriously because we must be knowledgeable about many things. We are we're scientists, we are healers, we're political advisors. We tell and make men's fortunes. I could cure your toothache or tell you in what year there has been a flood. Kings and aspiring kings consult us on matters of state and war and palace intrigue. And yes, our names associate us with those less understood so-called magical arts. We interpret omens and signs and dreams. Many times I have been summoned in the middle of the night to a palace chamber where, where an anxious king, sweating in his nightclothes, recounts some awful dream. I have brought good news in such moments and sometimes bad news. It can be a risky profession. But who sends our dreams? 
Who plants truth in lots that are cast, or a storm that brews, or a word of prophecy? I, I've never called, called it God, at least not God by any specific name. I've seen enough of the nations and their belief systems to have observed all of their flaws. If you ask me, the, the, the religions of the world with, with their hundreds of gods and goddesses, their rules and rituals, it just all seems like a human invention to me. But if a king or a princess wants to pray to some specific deity, I can respect that. It would be foolish not to, presumptuous even. But if I were to pray, yes, I'll admit it, even in my unbelief, I'd be lying if I said I never prayed. And, and in recent days, I've done my share of it. But if I pray, it's not to some fickle, angry, self-serving deity who needs to be appeased in a temple. No, if I pray, it's, it's, to, it's to whoever made all of this, whoever arranged the lights and the heavens, whoever designed a horse to run and the grain to grow and the mind of a man and woman to learn. Is there such a power, such a force behind all this complexity? Some part of me thinks there must be, hopes it even. But I have never met such a force in, in any temple I have stepped inside. But tonight, I am at a crossroads. No, literally, I mean, my friends and I are at the intersection of two roads. <laughs> we, we've taken the long way around, but, but tonight... We will spend our last night in one of these run-down inns. And this time tomorrow, we'll be home. Back in our own city, back in my own home, back with my wife. It, it'll be good to be home, I think. I've been away a long time. The things I've seen have, have changed me. For the better, I think. I hope my family thinks so. My, my wife, Sarah, she, she was angry with me the night I left. And I was angry with her. Neither one of us willing to back down. A trait we once admired in each other. Not so much after 20 years of marriage. When did it happen? When did the things that we had always enjoyed about each other become tiresome, irritating even? She used to admire my work. Now she resents it, complains that I'm never home. She says I have become arrogant, distant. There may be some truth in that. But for my part, I can see that she has become bitter impatient, discontent. I don't know why we have a good life. But suddenly she seems tired of it all. Our house, her friends, and responsibilities. 
There's a, a restlessness about her that will not be stilled. And so it spreads, and now I feel it too. And so we argue, and then we stop. But even in the silence, there's tension. I have a colleague who says that the glows we see in the sky, the lights in the heavens, he says they are things that burn and that must burn until their beauty is spent and they fizzle to ash. Is that all we are? Is that the best we can hope for? The night that set me on this journey, Sarah and I were quarreling again. I don't remember what it was about. It seemed important at the time. Round and round we went until we were both exhausted. Finally, she said something that struck close to home. Caspar, she said, all your words, all your scrolls, what have they brought you? Everything I wanted to say. But something inside me whispered, nothing. How could that be? I was the most learned of men. Kings consulted me. And I could not even order my own home. And finally, I said to her, Sarah, what do you want? Peace, she said. I want peace. That's impossible, I said. Who can give you that? It was late, but, but I went out for a walk that night. Glad to be anonymous in the city after dark. Alone with my troubles and my thoughts. Looking up at the sky as I had been doing my whole life. I let my feet take me to the oldest part of the city. Half ruined, but my favorite quarter. I climbed a back stairwell I have climbed a hundred times before to one of my favorite places. The, the, the building is nothing to look at, but the view from the roof is sublime. Right at the edge of the city, nothingness beyond, darkness in every direction but one, up. And so I slid down with my back against the wall and looked up at the stars, as I'd been doing since I was a child memorizing their shapes, watching them come and go with the seasons, marking the days and seasons of my own life. Peace, Sarah said. What is that exactly? An end to the fighting? We could achieve that just by avoiding each other. I'm pretty sure that's not what she had in mind. My eyes traced the familiar path of the constellations, star to star to star to star, trying to regain that sense of order, of, of, of calmness, of, of, of peace, I suppose, that, that elusive sense that things were going to be okay. But I couldn't find that feeling. I wasn't sure I believed it. But then, as I traced the shape of the great hunter, 
I saw something in the sky that startled me so I nearly fell over. It was a star or a cluster of stars or planets, lights, who had no business passing so closely to one another. The effect of it was, was wild. There was an otherworldly glow about it, first gold and then blue and then white, depending which way I tipped my head. It was so bright I looked away for a moment, but then I had to turn back my curiosity immense. I was certain that such a star had never been seen in our sky. It was, it was strange, unfamiliar, but, but strong and bright. If it appeared on no chart, it must be a sign. It's common knowledge among my people that happenings in the heavens often align with major events on earth. The birth of a king, perhaps, or his death. Is that what was happening? I shivered in the dark and listened. Our city was silent, but my, my heart was pounding. I had that feeling I have when I'm studying something important, as if the world is about to reveal some secret. I, I, I leapt to my feet and, and hurried down those stairs, ran back to the heart of the city, faster than any self-respecting magi should run. And heedless of the hour, I banged on the door of one friend and then another. Yusef, Amir, wake up! I ignored the glare of their wives and their servants. And in no time at all, we were back on the rooftop, the three of us staring up at the sky. Yusef spoke first. A star rising in the east, he said. It must be a king. Yes, but where, I said. Of what nation? Being born or passing on? Born, Amir said, with no explanation. Wise men. There is a prophecy among the Jews, Yusuf said, relating to their Messiah, King. His coming is to be marked in this way, I believe. We must find a scholar of that race and consult him. I know one, I said. Let's wake him up. <laughs> we are a long way from Judea, but, but there are many Jews in our city. A reminder of a time when our army conquered theirs. They keep to themselves, but one of them, an acquaintance of mine, Eli, is a scholar I have come to respect. There are some people who, who cannot look for truth outside their own tribe. Eli is not one of those people, nor am I. If someone has wisdom or is seeking it, then they have my ear. And so the three of us sat mesmerized as Eli recited from their Jewish scriptures about their Messiah. He would be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace. Peace, I said. There was that word. Peace, he said. He will rid us of our oppressors. There was an edge to his voice. And he will do it through peace, Amir asked. Eli just stared at that star now fading with the morning light. As dawn broke across the city, I made my way home again. 
I, I ignored Sarah's questions about where I had been. I was consumed by that star. My friends and I had decided that we would follow it. We had to learn what it was about. So the next day, we put on our best robes. We went to our king to seek his approval and favor. And he granted it and gave us royal gifts to present to the newborn king. The night before we left, Sarah and I argued again. I said things I'm not proud of. But I was just eager to leave, eager for the distraction, for the adventure. I don't know why I felt compelled to follow that star. What did a Jewish Messiah mean to me? But maybe there was wisdom to be found with this king, with his people. We were weeks on the road. Our caravan joined a larger one heading for Jerusalem. The star stayed with us the whole way, and we had many nights by the fire to look at it and, and ponder its meaning. Finally, we came to the gates of Jerusalem, a city I had heard much about but never visited. Our entourage and our, our credentials gained us immediate access to Herod, a man I disliked from the moment I met him. His palace was grand, opulently furnished, but everyone in it was unhappy and cold. I was considering just what to say to him when Yusef blurted it out. Where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Nice, Yusef. Very subtle. Herod was obviously taken back, and suddenly I realized two things. First, this was news to Herod. But how could that be? Could his own scholars have missed the star in the sky? Or were they hiding it from him? And secondly, if a king had been born, Herod would not be celebrating. Finally, he spoke. This is excellent news, he said. Let me gather my scholars and speak with them. I did not envy his scholars. That night, we slept on the finest sheets I have ever touched. The night air drifted in through the unshuttered windows, spreading the fragrant of perfumes that had been placed in our room. My friends slept soundly, but I could not. I was uneasy. Uneasy with Herod and his interest in this child. Uneasy even in the city of Jerusalem. Inhabited by Jews, but occupied by Rome. It is named City of Peace, but it did not feel that way. The next day, Herod summoned us back to his palace. He informed us that his scholars suggested Bethlehem might be a place to look for this king. He had only one request which we knew was more than a request. That upon finding the child, we should come back to him and report so that he too could worship him. I had a hard time imagining that. We all want the same thing, he said. 
And what is that? I asked. Peace, he said. But what kind of peace did he want? The kind enforced by violence, by tyranny? Deceit? That seemed like no peace to me. But I value my life, so I said none of these things. We packed hastily and headed toward Bethlehem. Well, the well-maintained rows of the cities by, by midday had given way to dusty tracks in the wilderness. We saw only farmers and herders. They saw us in our fine robes as if, as if we were some sort of desert mirage. We were not in Jerusalem anymore. This was the backwater of Judea. Late in the day, Bethlehem finally came into view. And as we made our way, Amir suddenly stopped and pointed. There, he said, that is the place. And we stood and stared, dumbfounded. Up above, the star glittered in the evening light as if it was pleased. Above the humblest of dwellings, little more than a run-down shack on the edge of town, some untended hedges around it, a single light in the window lit against the darkness. I could make out the silhouette of a woman inside and on the breeze the distinct odor of manure. We stared at the shack and, and then back at the star and then looked at one another. I shrugged and said, we're here. All those weeks on the road palaces and taverns and crossroads. And now we were here. This was it? Was, was there something to be found here? The three of us went and knocked on the door. Who is it? A man asked nervously. Looking at each other in our robes, we decided it was best not to try and explain. Soon the door opened a crack. And the man's eyes widened with surprise, but then calmed, almost as if he'd been expecting us. Come in, he said. The three of us ducked low and entered into a small common room, dirt floor strewn with straw. Off in the corner, some, some animals sheltered. It's common among the lower classes, a way of bringing some warmth into the house. That one single lamp, greasy, smelly. And, and next to a, a rough-hewn cradle was a young woman holding a baby. We had brought spices and gold. We should have brought blankets and food and clothing. That's what these people needed. There was nothing regal here. The man introduced himself. I am Joseph, he said. This is our son. I imagine he is the one you've come to see. All I could see was a bit of nose sticking out of some blankets. If this was the king of the Jews, he was small indeed, and apparently sleeping at the moment. The young mother was silent, but she studied us. After a moment, our eyes met. And her gaze was much like Sarah's, strong and bright. She was young, but she had a confidence about her. No, a, a calmness. As if she had seen many things, but was not troubled. What is your name? I asked. 
She glanced at her husband and said, Mary, what is yours and where are you from? Her questions were very direct, but, but her tone was, was mild. I am Kaspar. We are from Persia. Do you know it? Only by name, she said. Is it far? Many weeks, I said. Why have you come? She asked. It was a good question. We are students of the skies, I said. The star up above, we saw it at its rising. And our inquiries led us here. We were hoping to find... A... What were we hoping to find, really? We were hoping to find a king. Is this he? She didn't really answer. Just stroked his cheek and then turned him towards us so that we might see. He's just an infant, Yusef said. Always a master of the obvious. <laughs> but he was right. A dark-haired baby, two, three months old at most. And for a moment, I was disappointed. I felt foolish, even. We had come all this way, traveled all this way, looking for wisdom, and, and this was all that was here, a peasant couple and a little baby. What could be gained? But at that very moment, as I had that thought, that baby seemed to smile. As, as, as if he had heard me, as if someone had heard me. We talked a little while longer, but it was getting late. So, so Amir suggested that, that we should go and find lodging for the night. Joseph gave us the name of an inn. Said the innkeeper was a friend of his. It was time to go, but I found myself lingering. There was something here. I, I couldn't put my finger on it. No power, no wealth, but, but these, these villagers, these Jewish villagers seemed to have something, to know something that I, that I had missed in all my study and my seeking. And so I sent my friends on ahead, told them I would catch up with them later. They looked at me like I'd lost my mind, but, but I sent them away. And so now it was, it was just the four of us. What does one say to parents of a new child? So, uh, are you getting any sleep? <laughs> no, Joseph said. No. We are far from home, he said. This child has overturned everything about our lives. We do not know where it's all going to lead us. That sounds very, very difficult, I said. Mary shook her head. No, no, she said, you don't understand. He has overturned our lives. That is true. But he has brought us much more than we could have imagined. He has brought us peace. Peace. There it was, that word again. Yes, peace, Joseph said. Peace I never knew I lacked until God showed us his way. But tell us your story, he said. Where have you come from? 
And so I told them all about the star and how it had led me here and, and all that had happened. It, it sounded strange in the telling, but to my relief, they seemed to understand as if they had been on a journey of their own. We talked a while longer, but it was getting late, and so I excused myself. But I came back again the next day, and the day after, and the day after. I wanted to be in that house with that child. They shared their stories with me. Joseph and his dream, Mary and her angel. Some of it I found very hard to believe. But, but I wanted to hear more. Other people came by too. A, a small community was forming around this child. One evening I, I had dinner with them. Outdoors, under the stars. The food was very common. Someone brought some homemade wine. It was awful. <laughs> but I had to admit, with these people around, with that star overhead and this child, I felt, I felt good. <laughs> Not good exactly. Happy. I felt like it belonged. I, I felt... I felt at peace with myself, with these strangers, with whatever was happening in the world, this sense that, that it could be okay. And that's when I thought of Sarah. She would love this, I thought to myself. And suddenly, I was missing her. If these people were to be believed, then their God was unlike any other. Their God was creative. His wisdom was not straightforward. He entrusted his plans to something incredibly vulnerable, a child. He spoke to common men and women with messy lives and little power. There was something reckless about all of it, but it reeked of, of love and of life in all its complexity and beauty. My Jewish friend Eli would have been shocked. Who could expect this kind of a Messiah? I was shocked. Who could invent a God like this? If their God had put that star in the sky and led me to see it and follow it to this place and to these people, and he was like no God I had ever met in a temple. He was a God of rooftops and crossroads. A God who drew out our questions and led us to places where we could listen for answers. Maybe there is a God who delights in our curiosity who welcomes our questions, who challenges us to understand his designs. Such a God would be worthy of my respect. Such a God I would want to know. Well, after a few more days, I, I reluctantly agreed that we couldn't stay in Bethlehem any longer. We had to make our way to Jerusalem and then all the way home again. 
On our final night, we presented our gifts. And I did it not as a diplomatic gesture, but with genuine gratitude. With a sense of joy and hope that I just can't explain. What was he going to do with frankincense? I have no idea. But I wanted to honor this child whose coming had reached me from far away and led me to this place and to these moments I would never forget. This child who reminded me that it is always wise to seek. There's always more to learn. But there was still the matter of Herod and his order. It still didn't sit right with me that we should go back to him and give him information about this child. That night, the night we were to leave, I, I had a dream. I woke up drenched in sweat to find Amir awake as well. I just had a dream, he said nervously. I saw the land wet with the blood of innocence. I saw darkness that would not lift, I said. Yusuf was awake as well. I saw a road leading away from Jerusalem, he said. We looked at each other afraid but agreed. We got out our maps and found another way home. I was happy never to see Herod again and breathed a sigh of relief when we left his borders. And now here we are at this crossroads, almost home. And standing here under these skies, I am again hearing those words I've heard all my life, Caspar, come, learn, find. Only now it's as if someone is speaking them to me, inviting me to learn his name, inviting me to live in that peace I experienced in Bethlehem, even as I follow the questions that have always intrigued me. I find myself praying, this time to a God I think I am coming to know. Praying that Sarah and I might find this peace together, that we might share it with others as they shared it with us. There is more to this world than you see with your eyes, and tonight, I am glad for it. <laughs>